Well, Merry Christmas and welcome to Maple Avenue Christian Church Online. Man, I hope you guys had a great Christmas. And uh, next week is New Year's, so I hope you have a, a wonderful New Year's. This morning, we are wrapping up uh, this series, Miracles of Christmas, and we're wrapping up 2020. Now, listen, can I get an amen for that? We're getting out of this year. What a year. It, it has been... Uh, a year that reminds us that, you know what, we, we really are never quite sure what lurks around the bend, are we? Um, it, it's been one of those years that reminds us just how fragile life really can be, how really insecure our securities are, and just how uncertain all the certainties of life are. We have been... Uh, in a world that has seen hatred and division toward one another, the like that I have never seen in my lifetime. It has truly been a year of hurt. There have been hurtful words, hurtful actions. Um, friendships have been dissolved over political party lines. People can't have conversations anymore without yelling and screaming at one another. And there's all these snarky attitudes over masks, both ways, whether to wear them or not to wear them. A, a true healing really does need to happen in our country, but more than that in our world and probably more importantly in our churches. But listen, that healing is not ever going to be found in a political party or a political leader whether it's red or blue or purple. I was talking to Jason the other day, and I told Jason, I said, you know, Jesus was the most perfect person who ever walked the earth, and, and he was the best leader the world has ever known. And what do we do with him? We crucified him. So, Trump, Biden, nor Jorgensen, is going to bring healing. Healing will only come as we all surrender completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, folks, I truly believe that with all my heart. Strange as it may seem uh, to many people, um, this is kind of like God's method. God's methods, they don't always make sense uh, to human minds. And the reason is because we are so limited in our thinking. Um, a lot of times we can't see past the way we would do something. I hope none of you are listening to this uh, today and, and thinking about all the people this refers to and you're not including yourself because this implicates all of us. We are often quick to criticize others who do things differently than we do, um, who maybe think things differently than we do. And that means we can be really quick to dismiss the way God does things. Uh, we can dismiss God's methods. And I've seen that in a lot of lives. The one thing I want to encourage you to come back to as we work through the passage that we're going to look at this morning is this thought, okay? God's methods are higher than my understanding. God's methods are higher than my understanding. Um, I want to invite you, if you would, to, to get your Bible or your smart device, whatever it is, 
I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 33 through 36. <clears throat> and this is the Apostle Paul uh, in the middle of this letter that he's writing before he goes into what it is to be a living sacrifice and our worship to God. He, he opens this up or he closes this out, whichever way you want to look at it, with a doxology, a worship to God. And here's what he says. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. <clears throat> so as the Apostle Paul writes this, the one thing that I want us to remember is that God's methods are beyond us. That's one of the first things that he lays out in this. Part of the miracle of Christmas is the miracle of the method. God's methods are beyond our comprehension. Paul begins this doxology of praise to God, focusing on the greatness of God and on how absolutely wonderful He is. His riches his wisdom, his knowledge are great beyond measure. His methods are beyond our understanding. Honestly, when you think about God's methods throughout history, uh, but in particular the Christmas story, it really makes about as much sense as 2020, doesn't it? It just makes no sense at all. If you or I were writing the script uh, for the redemption of mankind, I believe we would have certainly written it differently than God wrote it, than God ordained it. You see, God chose to reveal himself to us in the greatest, grandest possible way, in a way that we uh, could understand. So um, he came into the world as a helpless, defenseless baby. God chose to be born to humble, poor parents. He wasn't born in a palace, but in a stable. He was born to a young couple whose hearts were pure, but uh, who held no worldly influence at all. Uh, they were plain, ordinary, obscure individuals, yet they were the ones God chose to be the parents of Jesus. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah touches on this in Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. And Isaiah is listening to God, and God is saying this to Isaiah. And so Isaiah records this. He says, For my, talking about God, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, talking about mankind, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's methods are different than our methods. His methods are beyond our understanding. We shouldn't be surprised at God's methods. Just think back in history, in biblical history. First of all, he, he gave Adam and Eve the option to obey or disobey after he had created everything for them. That's not the way most of us would have done that. 
He chose Abraham to leave his home and, and travel to the place of promise. Abraham, a man who lived in Ur, uh, who worshipped other gods. Uh, it's all kinds of crazy in our mind. Then he chose Joseph, which was Jacob's next youngest son, to become the savior of not only his family, but the entire land and people. He chose Israel, the nation of Israel, the least significant nation, to be his special people. He chose David, the shepherd boy, to become the king of Israel. He chose Bethlehem, a small insignificant spot on the landscape of Israel, to be the birthplace of his son, Emmanuel, God with us. Do you see uh, the pattern that's being revealed here? Over and over and over and over again, God chose plain, ordinary people like you and me through whom he could do his extraordinary work. How impossible it is for us to, to really understand God's decisions and God's methods. Uh, Luke records in his account of Christ's birth that Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem to register for the census. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She wrapped her son in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. A manger. You know what a manger is? A manger is a feeding trough for animals. And they stayed in a barn. And folks, that's not even a Motel 6. Joseph, being the good husband he was, he probably tried to clean the trough out and he probably put some clean straw in it and he probably tried to, to move the manure away from the place where they were going to bed down for the night and rest. But it was still a barn. I mean, if I were writing this in history, I would have Jesus being born in a palace, probably in Rome, in Caesar's home, the, the most powerful country in the world at the time, to the most powerful man in the world at the time. That's probably how I would have written it. But that's not how God wrote it, because God's methods are way beyond us. And while God's methods are beyond us, God's methods do something else that's extremely incredible. God's methods include us. How precious is that? To celebrate the occasion, angels announce the news of Christ's birth. But one thing we have to notice is who they go to. Who did they share this with? This wonderful and this wondrous news of Christ's birth. They went to shepherds out in a field tending flocks of sheep. There wasn't a lot of people. There were just shepherds and sheep. And that's who they go to. They didn't go to kings or queens. They didn't go to religious leaders or military leaders. That's probably who I would have announced it to. Uh, notice who Jesus is entrusted to. He's not entrusted to a seasoned mother and a, and a wealthy father. No, not at all. He's entrusted to a young virgin teenager and her lower middle class husband. Notice where he was born. The puny little town of Bethlehem. Why, you'd think that the Messiah would be born in the hustle and bustle of Rome, right? Or if not Rome, at least Jerusalem, the, the religious center for the Jews. But no, Bethlehem. Notice the journey. He, he journeyed from heaven to earth. 
from a throne in glory to a manger in a stable, from, his com- uh, from, from commanding his creation to living in his creation, from creating man in his image to becoming the image of man. God chose to make this grand announcement to simple shepherds fulfilling their responsibilities to care for their flocks. You see, the more you think about it, the more incredible the whole story becomes. It's almost unbelievable. Part of the miracle of Christmas is the miracle of the method. God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. Think about this miracle of the method for just just a minute. Uh, Following his resurrection from the dead, Jesus appeared first to a group of women. Honestly, folks, nothing else need to be said. That right there, that statement that Jesus appeared to a group of women is culture-shaking and history-making. He didn't show up at the temple. He didn't stand and boast before the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders. He didn't stand up and say, I told you so. No. From a human perspective, we would write the script so that Jesus rises from the dead, returns to Jerusalem to prove that he was right. But that's not at all what Jesus did. He revealed himself to women who really had no standing in society at this time. But that's God's method. God's method was different. And so following his resurrection, Jesus revealed himself to his followers and he gave them what we call the Great Commission. It's found over in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, the last part, the last two verses, 18, 19, and 20. And it says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What a huge responsibility to go and make disciples of the entire world. He entrusted that to his followers who had abandoned him, who had turned their back on him. But he entrusted them with that great responsibility, not only making disciples, but baptizing people and and teaching them to obey everything he commanded. To that small band of followers, Jesus entrusted the good news of salvation, the eternal message. Think about the magnitude of what Jesus did. The salvation of the world rested in the hands of these few followers, simple, ordinary people like me, maybe like you. How impossible is it for us to understand his decisions and his methods? And guess what? God still uses that method today. You and I, we are the church. Uh, the, The church still has the same great responsibility to share the gospel, the good news of salvation. Unfortunately, many Christians have denied the work of sharing the gospel. More than anything, everyone needs to experience God's love and grace. Uh, Not only that, but God has commanded his followers to always be ready to give a reason for the hope they have. I love the way Peter, remember now, Peter denied Jesus three times, right? And Jesus comes to him and he he encourages him to come back and to, to be one of his disciples and to make disciples. And so later on, Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 said this. He's reminding folks, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. 
Listen, folks, there are people all around us, like our neighbors, acquaintances, friends, maybe even some family members, who just absolutely need you to share Jesus Christ with them. There are also people all around the world who need Jesus also, and, and we need to pray for the efforts of missionaries all around the world, especially the missionaries we partner with. This isn't extremely hard. Jesus left it for ordinary people to do, ordinary folks like you and me. You can join people on their spiritual journey by helping them discover where they are right now and their relationship with Jesus. There, there's no greater reward than showing people the way to Jesus and helping them get past obstacles that hinder them in their walk. And then walk alongside them. You need to be the encourager they need in order to grow in their faith. You can do this, right? I sh I'm sure you can. I believe in you. I trust you. God most certainly trusts you to do this. Listen, don't overcomplicate it. Just, just start right where you are. Listen, you don't have to have all the answers. And if you don't know an answer to a question someone is asking, just be honest and say, you know what? I just don't know. Then find the answer and go back to them. Also, don't put undue pressure on yourself. I think that's one of the things people really struggle with when they're trying to share the Gospels. They put all this pressure on themselves. Listen, your responsibility is to share the Gospel, to share the good news that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth and gave His life as a ransom for anyone who will accept Him as their personal Lord and Savior. But listen, you can't make someone change. And I think that's where a lot of us get hung up. We share the gospel, but then we think it's our responsibility to change someone. That's not on you. Just love people and share the hope you have in Christ with gentleness and respect. Now, in this regard, I'm talking about those who are outside of Christ. Now, of course, it's our responsibility to come alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ, those who have accepted Christ, and hold them accountable. But to someone who doesn't know Christ, love them, share the gospel, Show them Jesus. Plant and water. Let God make it grow. That's how Paul commented on this miracle of the method that God uses ordinary people to accomplish His extraordinary work. He wrote it this way in 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29. He said, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God's methods haven't changed. He still uses ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary work. Our abilities are not as important as our attitude and availability. God has entrusted to us the good news of salvation. It's good for us that God can use us, even the simplest of vessels, to accomplish great things. God's methods are beyond us, yet God's methods include us. And because they include us, God's methods well, they sanctify us. That means they set us apart. 
See, there's another aspect uh, to this miracle of the method that we need to understand. God is at work in our lives in ways that we don't fully and cannot fully comprehend. In the same way that we would have written the script differently concerning the redemption of mankind, we would write the script differently for our sanctification. Once we begin that spiritual journey through faith in Christ, we would ever be growing in our love and devotion to Him. We would never have any problems. Life would be heavenly bliss until the day we finally arrive at our eternal home. But the reality is we all experience problems and pains and pressures. Christmas was just a couple of days ago. And I'm sure it was great for most of us. But there were some of us who struggled through. There were some of us who had problems that we didn't know we were going to have. There were some of us who were experiencing pains of loved ones no longer with us. Some probably experienced the pressures of trying to live up to the expectations in the gift-giving area of life. Listen, we experience struggles and we experience sicknesses and we experience pressures and pains and problems all the time. We experience temptations and we experience failures. It oftentimes feels like we take one step forward in our spiritual growth and follow it with three steps back. There are victories and celebrations accompanied by defeats and despair. This isn't the way I would have written it for any of us. Now listen, I can't answer all your questions as to why some things have happened in your life, but I can tell you that when going through circumstances that we don't understand, we're not left to despair. We can really trust that God is at work in our lives for our good. And, and so what that means is we must choose to believe that God is working to shape us and to mold us so that we become more like Jesus. This requires us to believe what He has promised to us in Romans 8.28 when He said, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Even when the angel appeared to Mary to tell her she would be the mother of God's son, there was no way she could have predicted all that revelation would mean for her. Joseph had no idea what would be involved when he obediently responded to the angel's message, not to divorce Mary, but to take her as his wife. Joseph and Mary endured shame, accusation, embarrassment, and ridicule. But they also experienced the miracle of seeing God become flesh right before their eyes. They saw God. The cost of obediently following God's plan was worth it for the prize of drawing near to God. Listen, throughout this uh, uh, entire sermon, you've been looking at this unsightly mess Nothing seems to make sense, right? When you look at that, it looks like blobs of color. Uh, it may look like our lives in a lot of ways, especially in 2020. But, but here's the beauty. God is at work in our lives to produce a beautiful tapestry. From our perspective here on earth, we only see the back of the embroidery. But the front reveals a beautiful picture. We are looking at the underneath side 
and don't understand why it looks so ugly, why it seems so confusing. It's, it's impossible for us to understand all the different knots and colors and seemingly random directions that our lives have taken, a lot like the back of this. But when we flip it over, we get to see what's on the other side. And what's on the other side is a picture that makes sense. This tapestry God has been weaving through us. We'll then be able to see how those seasons of pain brought some rich, vibrant colors to our tapestry. We will see the fullness and richness of the design reflected in the seasons of joy and celebration. We will see the depth of character revealed through the times of testing and, and trusting. Therefore, we must continue to trust that He is at work and that He is working for our good. Continue to trust God, even though you don't understand how He is at work in your life. Continue to follow Him and your life will be richly blessed. The miracle of the method is that God uses ordinary people like you and me to accomplish extraordinary things for the sake of His kingdom. The miracle of the method is also that God is at work in our lives in ways that we do not understand. Therefore, we must choose to trust what we know to be true because of what He has revealed through His Son. We must choose to believe that God is working in us and through us for our good and His glory. He is at work weaving a beautiful tapestry that will one day be revealed for all to see. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you for our time together. We thank you uh, for the way in which, even though we may not understand what's going on all around us and in the midst of our trials and pains and problems and persecutions and whatever it is we're going through, that we can trust in you. And though our life may look like a mess on this side, when we stand back and see how you've been working in and through us, we can see a beautiful picture of a faithful servant who loves their creator. Thank you for the method that you used. Thank you for the way that you draw us into relationship with you. Thank you for being our God. May our lives bring glory and honor to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You guys have a great week and a happy new year.